Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you're new here. What you're about to listen to is an audio version of a video forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also find me there. This podcast is a place where I share interview conversations with magical and inspiring people. I share solo episodes, creative writing, and I also share these weekly forecasts that I write. So I invite you to tune in and enjoy this transmission about the astrology of the week ahead. Hey, it's Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for June 15th to June 21st, 2022. Please like this video, leave a comment at some point. Doing both of those things really supports this channel and more people finding it. So I really appreciate you saying hello or letting me know what resonated with you and definitely like this video. So there's a lot of storylines at play this week, which we'll get into one by one, but I'll draw our attention to two conjunctions of the week as thematic anchor. We have Mars conjunct Chiron and Aries and Venus conjunct the North Node in Taurus. The both make for passion in different ways. Mars and Chiron and Aries amplify or emphasize initiatory experiences we are having right now in relationship to a pain point Like, uh, whether that's some kind of injury or a complex psychologically. And it's likely something we feel at odds with or no longer accept. Will is surfacing to make a change. We may be called to tactics or experiences we have never engaged with before, putting us in the seat of the novice, the beginner, the initiate. And I'm not saying here that we no longer accept our wounds, right? It's not about rejecting um, something that is quite painful to reject, right? But it may be a layer of like, I have this um, really self-deprecating self-talk. I no longer accept it. Or I have this way of relating to an ongoing issue and I'm, I'm not accepting that anymore. I'm willing to change it. Or these conditions, I don't accept them anymore, right? Like there's a a no that we get with Mars and with Aries. And so something agitating with Mars Chiron where we're like, I'm fed up, right? And it doesn't have to be explosive. I mean, it could be full of high sensation or anger or whatnot. Um, It could be so much more subtle depending on how you relate to this energy in your own life. And then Venus and the North Node in Taurus can relate to a growing appetite at this time for acquisition of value, resource, and pleasure. There is both space here for actually having and receiving more, as well as getting beneath the part of us that is always hungry and never satisfied, and touching a deeper root of receptivity. It could be the act of wanting something and inquiring. Is it the external 
merging and meeting of this desire that I need? Or is an internal opening to receive? Is that what I need? Given that we're looking at the very internal sign of Taurus, there's probably an emphasis on the latter in terms of building receptivity. Not because we can't want external things, but there is a real internal cultivation when it comes to being actually available to receive rather than repel what we desire. So it's complex to talk about this or you know, to think about acquisition versus some kind of internal opening. Um, because, you know, when it comes to like adornment or like fashion, jewelry, clothing, I'm not about like, oh, I don't need these things to feel a certain way. It's like the physical item, the clothing, the piece of jewelry actually does affect me. Like it touches me, right? But it's feeling into when are we grabbing for things in the external world to fill like the kind of hungry ghost, like I never have enough, right? And that's when okay, that shiny thing over there that you want that's like the key to your happiness isn't going to bring it. There may be some internal opening. So we have to kind of um, discern for ourselves, you know, is it time? Like, have we been closed eyes meditating monk on a mountain and it's like, okay, go get the, the physical item. It's okay to do that now. Or, you know, are you grabbing, wanting, and there's some kind of internal opening that's needed to actually feel satisfied with what you do have? The tension of these two conjunctions, so we have Mars conjunct Chiron in Aries and Venus conjunct the North Node or Rahu, the head of the dragon in Taurus. Um, These two conjunctions can speak to a simmering quality in the field right now of feeling moved to go for what we want, what we really want, And then facing the obstacles and challenges related to our own desire nature, because desire is vulnerable. So I'll get into our week in more detail after a few announcements. There's two new episodes of Magic of the Spheres, um, both interviews with um, one about Jupiter and Aries with S.J. Anderson, and then the other about creativity and courting the muse with Katie Avila. So you can tune into those where you listen to Magic of the Spheres podcast. And I'm also sharing an in-progress audio novella called Hungry Ghosts of Paradise. So you'll hear me talking about Hungry Ghosts. You know, I'm talking about it thematically this week, but I am also writing an audio novella with that in the title. Um, I've been getting a lot of positive feedback about, you know, the episodes. People love Magic of the Spheres um, and the interviews and the amazing people I bring on. And I'm also getting a lot of positive feedback about the audio novella. So I really invite you to go check that out on your favorite podcast app of choice. And um, other announcements, I recently opened uh, my books. They sold out. So I will let you know when my books open again. Um, The best place um, is my mailing list. That's where I announce bookings first. Um, Sometimes I don't even post to social media. So if you're following me there... Um, but not on my mailing list, or you subscribe to my YouTube channel, but you're not on my mailing list, the mailing list is the best place to be to be in touch, and you can find the link in the notes below. And then, of course, um, stay tuned for when the next Evolutionary Intensive is out. One is currently in session. Um, I'm also teaching the alumni program Meteorite, so I am... Uh, yeah, all the classes are in session, but I really love inviting people into a deeper literacy with astrology and evolutionary astrology and cultivating your own 
magical relationship with the cosmos. So again, my mailing list would be a great place to be, to be notified when the new course um, or the course is open for a new cohort. Okay, here's our week. June 15th, 2022, Mars in 15 degrees of Aries is conjunct Chiron in 15 degrees of Aries, the one we've been talking about already. And this is at 7.17 a.m. Pacific. So we can think of Chiron as initiating, Chiron as the wounded healer, Chiron as the philosopher physician, Chiron as the pursuit and mysteries of healing. I'll break those down a little bit more. Um, Barbara Hanclough has a book about Chiron that's uh, Chiron the Rainbow Bridge, which is my favorite book about Chiron. She has a a way of titling Chiron there as Chiron, the guide to the magical quest, which I love because Chiron is about initiations. There's also a lot to the mythology about a wound being part of the initiation, right? So um, there's complexities around Chiron with like the wound that doesn't heal, the kind of ongoing or chronic wound. There's also kind of the mysteries of healing something that has felt impossible to heal. I don't experience Chiron as um, never-ending pain, right? But we do feel that way sometimes in the throes of an issue that has been chronic and we haven't figured it out. Um, Chiron can be the way that we develop a lot of intelligence when something is, um, when there's a wound, right? The wound is an opening. Um, through the eye of the wound, you know, we meet the cosmos. So, noticing, you know, a lot of people who are healers or who are doing something healing in the world, even if they don't use the title healer, um, if you ask, you know, or hear about their origin story, sometimes they have some kind of pain point of like, well, there was this problem in my family and I sought to understand it. So now I have this expertise that I offer to the world. Or I had this issue as a kid and I sought to understand it. And now I have this expertise that I offer to the world, right? So it's this philosopher physician, and if we think about Mars and like Mars really kind of bringing heat and activation and agitation to Chiron, there's a sense of like, we want to heal something quickly. Uh, it needs to happen now. Or um, a sense of the, the issue itself feeling more inflamed and more in our face. Or the healing kind of journey being about Martian things, like about our relationship with anger, about our relationship with action, about our relationship with initiation, like taking a first step, being not afraid to be a fool, not afraid to look stupid, like I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to say things or, you know, I'm going to take this leap in my life, even though I don't totally know what I'm doing, but I'm going to learn as I go. And um, do we have psychological complex around that, right? And the journey of kind of unwinding that or having some kind of healing threshold around our courage or our ability to be first. So here's what I wrote. Wounds are openings, literally and metaphorically. Wounds make us permeable. Wounds make us receptive to medicine and insight. Wounds can also be places of extra guarding, defensiveness and scabbing, right? So there's both the open and like having some kind of mystical or like healing experience because the wound sensitizes us and humbles us and brings us to that place of need um, or receptivity, right? As well as where we uh, 
like put up the guard or get scabby or get crusty because of a pain point. With Mars and Chiron joining, our sensations of woundedness may be amplified. Not super fun, okay, but as a possibility. And one might feel more sensitive to insult, irritation feels inflamed. Or the woundedness and activation may be around willpower, the pain we feel around not having willpower, or the pain we feel from having too much forceful willpower that overrides aspects of ourselves. Like, yeah, I can be a workhorse, but I suffer for it after. Or yeah, I can push and force myself to do this thing in my life, but it goes against a deeper truth inside of me. And so some kind of recalibration around needing more will or having too much will and needing to kind of pull it back depending on the situation. Healing might feel like a call to action at this time. The medicine might be our willpower. The medicine might be the will to heal as opposed to complacency or the will to try a new tactic, right? Like we've been trying this one way and it's not totally working or we're kind of losing faith in it. What's the maybe shift that's being asked for? Outside of the context of woundedness, Chiron also relates to initiatory journeying, going through a threshold, going through a rite of passage, receiving an initiation ceremonially or from life itself. The focus on Mars slash Aries may be about where life is calling us to courage, to action, to beginning, where life is asking for our effort or asking us to make a move as opposed to waiting on external factors. And then June 16th, 2022. I don't know why I say the years. It's just like in case you're in the archives or something in the future, so you know. But June 16th, Sun in 25 degrees of Gemini will try and Saturn retrograde in 25 degrees of Aquarius at 12, 13 a.m. Pacific. Actually, I just want to slow down for one moment and see if there's anything else I want to say about Mars Chiron after dropping that. I think there's just something to be said about how we relate to having um, an issue that for whatever reason we have decided needs healing, right? Like it's a problem or it's um, inconveniencing us or it's creating some kind of obstruction in our lives. And there's a certain, there can be a certain kind of aggression or ambition of like getting better in a way that is um, self, like self cruelty versus like a kind of, I've got you, like we're, we're moving through this, like we'll do what needs to be done. That's coming from a place of love. Um, so Chiron's complex, right? Chiron is a bridge between the visible planets, Saturn as kind of the gate, uh, the threshold planet. And then we have Chiron in between Saturn and the transpersonal planets. So it's the sense of this issue opens us to something beyond. And while there's a theme within Aries and Mars about so much about the self or doing something, you know, having courage, it's very individualistic. Chiron often relates to the hero's journey, the part where we attract a guide or teacher. And so Chiron could be how we relate to the mentor or the teacher or the guide. 
um, especially in relationship to, you know, a problem that we would go to a physician or a metaphysician for. So back to June 16th, Sun and Gemini trine Saturn retrograde in Aquarius, both in 25 degrees of their signs at 12, 13 a.m. Pacific. Sun trine Saturn. So reflecting on this transit, the word that, um, there's a word that came to mind immediately, which was oversight. A word which both means a failure, an error in sight, um, missing something, as well as the act of looking over something broadly and perhaps successfully, like overseeing a project. The sun and Saturn harmonizing in these air signs could be the act of grasping the nature of a situation intellectually, its structure, its parameters, its implications. Let's just also name for a moment that there's different um, elemental energies, right? There's the air, there's earth, there's water. You know, if we want to think of it Ayurvedically too, like vata, air, pitta, fire, and kapha, earth. And sometimes people have these value judgments of like, no more thinking and talking, let's do something, right? Or all this action, we need to take a break. Like we need integration time. Um, And we need all of these elements, right? Like we do need the time, the air to conceptualize and to think. Um, But if we're all air and we never um, materialize, never like ground it through action, fire, or ground it through um, embodiment, earth, then it just stays up in the ether. But if we're looking at the sun and Saturn trining this week, there is some emphasis in maybe it is practical to think about things or to um, gain a bigger perspective from which, you know, this kind of vision might... um, you know, if we carry the thread through, we'll turn into more efficacious action and grounding. But we need time. We need the space. Um, we need the willingness, perhaps, to conceptualize. So the sun in Gemini asks for range and flexibility with possibility and options. We could do this. We could do that. Like, it's all, you know, very multidimensional with Gemini. And then Saturn in Aquarius asks for structural fortitude for things to work in reality or function um, or be efficacious as opposed to dysfunctional. This might be to say, we can believe or think anything we want, but do we like the consequences and results of our thoughts? Right, like our thoughts are paradigmatic, our thoughts are informed by paradigms, our thoughts create paradigms and paradigms create reality. And in reality, certain things function and certain things dysfunction. And where is it the thought that is creating dysfunction? It's very easy for people to get attached to particular logical, structural ways of thinking or to passively accept inherited programs of thought from culture. When we run up against bugs in the program, we can use some flexibility of mind to reorient. Problems or dissatisfaction may necessitate a new way of thinking as well as trigger a curiosity. Could there be something I'm missing, a.k.a. an oversight? The harmony between these planets might also speak to the benefit of being skillfully aware of social norms or social paradigmatic thought forms. So the difference between a totally exiled iconoclast 
on the fringes of society who's totally disenfranchised and an innovator welcomed and celebrated by society and integrated into society with supporters is the capacity for there to be a bridge between the fringe and visionary reality and the normal reality, you know, the consensus reality. Holding and integrating multiple worlds like this is a complex and valuable skill that takes groundedness and patience and the willingness to translate and empathize with multiple ways of thinking, right? So if we're, let's even just put this in the context of like having an argument with someone in our lives and um, seeking to make a bridge with that person. Like that's the the desire between two people of like, we want to work on this. Um, And the argument is like people coming from two different worlds, speaking two different languages. And what is the bridge, the capacity to understand world A and world B and to create synergy between them? And when we don't build that bridge, and the air signs are great at building bridges, especially um, Gemini, I think, is so um, about making connections. Whereas Aquarius is like a castle of thought. Like it's like a whole paradigm, a whole worldview, a whole system of thinking. And if you have two people with very different systems of thinking talking about the same thing, but it's like they're missing each other because um, they're operating from these different paradigms. And so the bridge building is where we would get, yeah, you can have this special rarefied world or be um, different, be unique. But if you can convey that to someone who's not in the same world as you, then there's a pathway to invite them in or to be seen or to be understood. And that just seems like something that would be in the air this week in terms of, you know, are we missing each other? Is there an oversight in our communication? And where's the bridge? Because it's a trine too, there may be some ease at forming this bridge. Um, Yeah, an ease between Sun and Saturn, right? And so maybe the capacity as well to be detached for enough time, enough space to allow in the other, right? To allow in the other world um, and figuring out the balance of also where we have integrity and what we stand for, right? Versus what are just kind of thoughts that we're attached to and need to loosen up around. Same day, we have Venus in 22 degrees of Taurus, conjunct the lunar north node in 22 degrees of Taurus at 2.46 a.m. Pacific. So this is quite a Venusian appetite. Rahu, or the north node, is about the desire to incarnate. Uh, The north node is happy to experience life. Um, There's desire. There's hunger. It's the head of a dragon that wants to eat, you know, in the Vedic conception. The north node, the lunar nodes are one of my specialties when it comes to natal chart readings. Um, I love the lunar nodes. I'm obsessed with the lunar nodes, okay? And so like the North Node in um, kind of the Western or modern astrology is very aspirational. It's like follow your North Star, follow your North Node. Um, And the way that I see the North Node is it does have that. Like if you follow your North Node, it's going to help you incarnate more on this path of being human. It's like, what does your human want, you know, and what kind of personality structures are going to help you develop? Um, 
there is also a side of the North Node where it is this dragon that wants to eat. So there is a sense of wanting more. And wanting more can be, you know, that desire can help us evolve. It can help things come into form. It can make things happen. Um, But it can also be a beast, right? And so understanding appetite, right? Like, I love appetite. I think it's important to have a good appetite because there's a way, you know, and I'm speaking of appetite in a very broad way here. It's like want things. Having desire is a pathway to evolution. But sometimes when we want something, we get all like twisted up around it and we have um, turmoil or we get tunnel vision and we get greedy, you know. And so thinking about being in a good relationship, in a life-enhancing relationship with appetite, with the desire for more. And then we're looking at Venus conjunct the North Node, Venus in domicile, Venus in Taurus. And so that energy incoming, you know, I like it. (laughs) That's great. It's, you know, more pleasure, more joy, more beauty, more self-esteem. So Venus is in domicile while resource in Taurus inclined toward the sensual pleasures of life. Rahu, the North Node, the head of the dragon, is associated with the desire for incarnation, hunger for life, and potentially greed. And greed is one of Taurus's shadows as well. So in thinking about this, um, I did in my writing focus a lot on greed and not from a moral perspective of greed is bad and don't be greedy, but like how can we unwind this kind of greed thing that's going on because it doesn't actually, as a vehicle, as a way of acting, as a way of being with the world, it doesn't lead to satisfaction or happiness, right? It's this pulling and wanting and never feeling like we have enough. How nice would it be to actually relax into having and to actually relax into receiving? And so this is why I'm talking about greed. Um, and why I'm going to get into it. So greed is interesting to think about because as much as it is not a character trait that most people like to identify with or admit to possessing, most people are also susceptible to being possessed by greed at various times. Greed is a kind of hunger that is accompanied with an absence of satisfaction. We want more, and we are consumed with the awareness of lack. Greed is remediated with gratitude, appreciation, dropping into the sensations of recognizing and savoring what we do have, and working with that thread. Remediate your greed not because of morals, greed equals bad, but because greed will never fulfill you. We are not wrong for wanting more in life. In many cases, we ought to want more. But greed will never give us what we actually want. What is the more tender, spacious, vulnerable desire that you're feeling underneath? What does it feel like to actually receive what we do have and to start from there? Greed is an energetic of chasing and seeking more than we can actually receive. Seeking stimulation, pleasures, abundance, that is an excess watching over an unreceptive vessel. It's like needing a near-death experience and a bunch of adrenaline to feel alive, but being unmoved by the more subtle sensations of aliveness. Here, the appetite is in relationship with disembodiment. A lot is needed to feel just a little. 
starting with sensitizing ourselves to the little can help us open and increase our capacity to receive what we are desiring in a way that actually lands and touches us. So this is something important that I really want to communicate, which is Venus and Taurus on the North Node. What if we expanded the subtle, right? Like um, lightly tracing your fingers on your skin and feeling into that sensation and letting it take up more space so that a little becomes a lot. And this is not to say to just be happy with a little, right? Like you can still want more. We still have goals. We still have desires. But to build a foundation of being sensitized to what we already have creates a kind of energetic fertility to receive more in life and like to open our capacity to actually hold and receive the sensations that we're seeking, So pursue an open to joy, gratitude, and pleasure at a subtle layer that is vulnerable to you and touches you. Imagine what it feels like to cry with gratitude at what you already have, that just yesterday you were indifferent or numbed to. What does that root system of relatedness feel like? How do you open to gratitude as a sensation, as like a chemical feeling even, rather than a concept? What drops you in? So a ceremony could be creating a space with ambiance, music, candles, and mood of choice to move in and express and give incarnation, Rahu, to the experience that's currently happening in your soma, in your body, giving theater and drama to it as a practice of self-love and letting yourself fully be where you are and with what's happening for you what's opening for you. Hmm, I feel like there's so much more to say about Venus Rahu that I want to think about it for a moment. Something that is coming to mind is like the way that when there's something that we really like experiencing that we have a troubled relationship with, right? Like you, you'll you have something that's really abundant to you and you don't place a high premium of value on it because it comes uh, so easy. It's on top, right? So um, it can be something within you that maybe you've even turned into a way to make a living for yourself or to create more resource in your life where it's like I have this natural ability or this talent or this thing's easy for me and this is how I make money. This is how I create value. And sometimes people don't. Like they have the thing that's on top for them, but they don't turn it into value in the world because they undervalue it. They're like, yeah, it's it's just nothing. And people are like, wait, this thing about you is great or amazing. Don't you see it? Right. So there are things that come naturally to us. And then there's things that feel like a rare special fruit, (laughs) something that, you know, we really crave and feels like such a rare resource. Maybe we covet it. And then whenever we get to be around it, we get a little bit crazy. (laughs) We get a little bit like, 
um, knocked off center because it's like we're in contact with this thing we really desire that feels so hard to have. And I think there's something about noticing what that thing is for us and when we are in a situation of being in relatedness with it, to relax and receive it and let it flow through our life without gripping onto it. And that can be really healing. This was something that um, I learned around kind of like, um, I like to use the word money positivity, <laughs> like financial uh, prosperity, right? Of when it came to spending and receiving money, training my body to feel comfortable or joyous even about the exchange of money instead of feeling all contracted when I wrote a check for rent or all contracted when making a purchase or feeling all contracted around receiving to start to energetically be like, it's okay, it's safe to give money, it's safe to receive money and to kind of neutralize the intensity or like the edginess about it. And so where that thing in your life is, maybe it's like physical touch and being touched the way that you like. And just that is so emotional or so intense. And to kind of be in a practice of where do you, you know, where can you open to that experience, even if it's also like self-touch and allow it in allow it to wash through you, allow yourself to open to that aspect of life that's in relationship with your desire and to kind of settle and relax into it as opposed to, you know, the image from like Aladdin where they get a red jewel out of the cave and the cave starts to like cave in and freak out, right? Where it's like, what's the thing that gets you knocked off center because you want it so badly? And how can you relax and allow it to flow through your life more. And then we have the Sun in Gemini, Square Neptune in Pisces. I didn't delineate this one. There were so many transits. Um, June 18th, Venus in 25 degrees of Taurus will square Saturn retrograde in 25 degrees of Aquarius at 2.32 p.m. Pacific. So Venus comes in to activate the ongoing current Saturn squared, the nodes transit, and I've written an article about it. I have a few videos about Saturn square, the nodes, or a podcast episode, a video about the, the lunar nodes themselves in Taurus and Scorpio. So I'm leaving the link to that article um, below, and that article contains links to the other stuff. Sorry, it's a little convoluted, but the Saturn square, the nodes article is the most recent thing I've written um, and is kind of like a expose on that transit, if you will. So Venus squaring Saturn can generally relate to challenges, restrictions, and obstacles around Venusian themes or support and facilitation thereof, right? Where it's like having an obstacle in relationship versus going to couples therapy and working on it and creating like protocols within the relationship to work through problems. Like Saturn can, can bring in structure and protocol and things that support and facilitate. Um, it's not just about doom and gloom and restriction and whatnot. It is very much about how we relate to Saturn, though, um, as well as the conditioning we've received around Saturn, but this is going to be another, another tangent. So 
Besides Venus squaring Saturn generally relating to kind of challenges or facilitating working through things in relationship or around Venusian themes, we could also see this Venus transit bringing some grace to the ongoing challenging situation of Saturn square the nodes. Like Venus can bring a kind of balm here, if you will. So one way this could express is loosening up some of our self-isolation in the places we don't include other people in our process, whether that's our need for help or our sharing of good news and celebration, right? Like not sharing that we need help because we don't want people to think that, you know, we can't take care of ourselves or we're weak or whatever the value judgment is. Um, And the way that we suffer and our communal relationships may suffer from that form of isolation. As well as like if you're having, you know, good news, but you're like afraid to share it because something bad might happen or something like that, where it's like it's safe to receive help maybe, you know, adding that experience into our lives. Okay, I can receive help or I can share good news. Whatever the kind of thing is where we're in isolation and um, incubating as opposed to sharing, right? And this can go the opposite way too, where if you are sharing and diffusing so much that you need to pull back a little bit and keep something for yourself, um, that might be the dynamic for you depending on where you've... um, landed on that spectrum. Taurus and Aquarius can represent the tension between the individual organism and its survival, Taurus, and the community slash ecosystem and its dynamic relatedness, Aquarius. When it comes to responsibility, Saturn and relationship, Venus, responsibility and community, Aquarius, there may be some shifting of resource and burden allocation whether we find ourselves no longer outsourcing something we could be more self-reliant about, or if we allow others to help us carry weight that we've been carrying alone. You can imagine how there might be some friction here in navigating needed shifts, right? Finding the, um, the, the allocation of what's shared, what's personal with who. Uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And so then Venus in 25 degrees of Taurus will sextile Neptune in 25 degrees of Pisces at 9.06 p.m. So we have Venus-Saturn and Venus-Neptune at the same time. And while Venus in Taurus square Saturn builds up themes around resources, challenges, obstacles, and pragmatism, Venus and Neptune can be a lot more boundless, ethereal, and imaginative. As this relates to the Venus-Saturn conversation, This can be a magical doorway into the dream reality as opposed to a conflictual reality in entangled relationship with the obstacle. So astrologer Ari Felix as recent inspiration. This is from one of Ari's stories on Instagram. You can sometimes tell what programming someone is still plugged into by what they position themselves opposing. Are you so busy opposing something, capitalism for instance, that you aren't letting yourself do your work in the world sustainably, end quote. And Ari is offering multidisciplinary world building mentorship. I'll leave the link to Ari's social media and that offering below. So Venus makes aspects to Saturn and Aquarius the square and Neptune the sextile at the same time, which feels profound to me. It feels like making time away from direct confrontation 
with an issue or project at hand, like Venus, Saturn, project managing and getting a lay of the land, to drop into a more playful space of imagination and reverie, Venus, Neptune, to connect with an important essence of inspiration, and then to grant that thread, oh, then to ground that thread into reality or live from that thread. One of, you know, Aquarius's things is being um, counter, right? Like being contrarian. And when we're locked into an oppositional stance, we're not really free, right? We are rebelling against something and we're entangled with that which we rebel against. Um, And so when it comes to solving problems or moving forward on a vision in a really inspired way, right? Where it's like, take a person's relationship with power. And someone is living in a slightly victimized state and not really owning their power because people who have power do bad things, right? And so they're kind of like anti-power because they don't want to be bad or become a villain. And then we need to look, well, what is a more free, less conditioned, authentic, grounded relationship with power for you so that you can embody it? And it's not, you know, enmeshed with that villain or power over domination kind of thing. When it comes to our process of envisioning and dreaming, sometimes taking stock of issues, of how things have manifested and tend to manifest in the world or in systems becomes valuable information But there comes a point where rather than simply opposing those systemic things, we embody something inspired, right? Something um, inspired as in coming from the earth up through us or like the cosmos down through us, right? Like living into the freedom of who you are. So with Venus square Saturn, Venus sextile Neptune at the very same time, I see that Venus Neptune as an imaginative pressure valve of, okay, I've understood maybe the parameters or the issues or like, let's put it in a micro situation of like conflict and relationship, Venus Saturn. We have these loops that we tend to go through. This is our relational issue. We've dug into it. We understand it paradigmatically. What, what's next? What's the thing? What's the inspired thing that we can do? So this is what I have for you. We do have solstice. Um, We have Venus trine Pluto on June 21st from 28 Taurus and 28 Capricorn. Um, And then the sun enters Cancer. So we have the solstice, the summer solstice on the northern hemisphere. I didn't delineate those. Summer solstice for those on the Northern Hemisphere is just, it's the the longest day. The sun is out for the longest time and the light begins to decline from here, which sounds depressing when we put it that way. But I find um, just kind of marking this this moment of high light, right? Um, It also is the beginning of cancer season. So there's something about our relationship with nostalgia with home, um, our relationship potentially, you know, for those 
in summer and experiencing like going swimming or going to barbecues or whatever idyllic summer leisure activities create that sense of feeling good in life, right? Cancer, I think, is a very um, emotionally charged sign. I say I think, and I mean, it is an emotionally charged sign. And so it is um, this happiness and joyfulness when we feel good, when we like our circumstances and it's feeling sad or feeling blue when we're um, upset about something. Like there's these emotional kind of waves, um, emotional, like it's a cardinal water sign. So emotions rise up and there's emotional activations with cancer season. Um, so I really noticed during water, water sun times, um, being a lot more emotional and feeling kind of tossed about in the emotional realm a bit more. And when I think about cancer, I think about, um, what is it that would feel nourishing and moving towards that? Um, I also really love marking the solstices and the equinoxes with gatherings, like being with friends or being outside. So yeah, that's what I just want to share kind of off the cuff about um, summer solstice and the beginning of cancer season, um, just to kind of feel into where you can create, give life to the things that feel nourishing. And Please, if you haven't already, like this video, leave a comment. Even if you leave comments every week or you're just saying hello, leaving a comment is a really good way to support this channel, to support me as the person behind creating these. Um, and I love hearing from you. So I will end it here. I'm about to be traveling, so um, I will attempt to get on here as often as possible. Um, and you might want to get on my mailing list for the weeks that I'm not on YouTube. Quite often, there's a written-only version of the forecast that is published to my website and also on the mailing list. So the links for that are below. Um, and I hope that you have a beautiful week and happy solstice. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. This library contains several hours of content about the intersection between kind of create your reality teachings and astrology. And it includes one of my favorite talks I've ever given called Leo and the Evolution of Alternate Realities. Thank you so much for listening. Your reviews really support the growth of this podcast, as well as your word of mouth when you share this podcast with friends or post it to your stories on Instagram and tag me at Sabrina Monarch. Thank you so much.